The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you seeking more energy and ready to have more healings and revealings in your life? Then you've tuned into the right program. For the next hour, listen in as Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, shares with you tools you can use to transform your life. She will guide you on a journey to create a life that is intentional and dynamic. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. Welcome, everyone, and thank you so much, all of you intentional spirits out there. It's such a pleasure to be with you each and every week and to feature this these amazing guests that we have. You know, I, I like to say each and every time, because I like to remind myself as well, there's a big difference between being an intentional spirit and having good intentions. There are lots of people that have had good intentions as my guest today, Uh, Jamie Kowalski will attest to, as I've seen in my own life of 29 years of sobriety, there's a lot of people that have an intention to do better or to uh, take care of habits that they've developed and those kind of things. However, it's an intentional spirit that follows through with the intention and says, no matter what, I'm going to stay the course with this. I'm going to honor the discipline of what this will take for me so I can... uh, experience the benefits. I mean, often a person walks away from the diet um, way too soon or the change in their lives before they get all the energy that they need to to come to a whole different level. I'm thrilled to talk about recovery today to someone that has discovered both yoga and the effects of yoga and how it benefits anyone in a 12-step program. And you might be going, you know, I don't really have an issue with that. And yet I would urge you to stay with us today because every one of us knows a handful, if not more people, that do. So it could be you're listening today just to benefit someone else. Jamie Kowalski, thank you for being on our show today. Thank you, Temple. I'm very honored and grateful for the opportunity. I look forward to unpacking some ideas here and sharing some of my own strength, open experience. Well, give us a little bit of background about how did Jamie become Jamie that um, went on to spend his life teaching people about balance? How did you discover yoga and how it benefits, um, you know, with recovery? Give us some background about you. All right. Well, I spent a long time in the corporate IT world, and uh, I was not feeling very fulfilled, very challenged I was, and 
of course, uh, you know, it was an okay life. But at the end of the day, more and more, I would find myself turning to drinking. And the the pattern of uh, alcoholism runs in my family. In fact, not wanting to end up like my dad added about 10 years onto the time that it took me to admit that I was an alcoholic. But from drinking in college to partying after work on to finding that the only uh, reason that I was finding to get through the day was to get home and drink. And clearly that was an out of balance situation. But even though I had intentions to stop drinking, I couldn't. I went off and on sobriety for days, weeks, months at a time over a period of years and never really made it stick. And so it resonates with me when you mention or uh, to, to point out this difference between intention and, and intentional or intentionality because until I found a deeper connection of intentionality and able to see the gift and the challenge was I able to finally pull out of the darkness. So that was five and a half years ago. It took some good counseling and a wonderful peer network and a lot of struggle along the way, uh, but I'm five and a half years free from my alcohol addiction and so very grateful to, uh, to enjoy one day at a time learning more. This idea of balance is key though because oftentimes people uh, can get very uh, obsessive or driven in their recovery in a way that um, doesn't offer uh, other avenues to support it. So for example, many people are very gung-ho on going to a lot of 12-step meetings and early on so was I. Uh, and the community is powerful, the, the wisdom and shared experience uh, and, and the identification of one alcoholic with another opening the door to the healing path. That's a tremendous and essential tool in the toolkit, yet I was feeling that uh, there was more to be had, and that's uh, when I found yoga six months into sobriety. And how did it come about, Um, Jamie? Did you, you know, read a sign? Did someone tell you at a um, 12-step meeting? How did you, you know, get involved with that? Because... um, I mean, yoga is known throughout the world, but how did you call it into your life? Well, the the physical practice of yoga was what first drew me. And as I studied more, I learned that there were many aspects to yoga, which the the word yoga actually comes from, you know, ancient Sanskrit. Uh, Interestingly, it's similar to our word yoke, like we yoke a plow to oxen. It's a connection. And uh, it's one of the few words that, that has survived and a little bit uh, with that similarity in the English language. So this idea of connection. Now, what are we connecting with? You know, we can put lots of small words on the concept of infinity, uh, higher power, God, creator, universe, uh, energy, Mother Earth, uh, you know, spirituality. There are so many words that we use and we can slice and dice them. But what I what I came to understand is that the physical practice of yoga was a doorway to deeper connection. And so early in my recovery, I got back into bicycling uh, and going to the gym to work on my physical health. I had taken a restorative uh, yoga class here and there in the past before getting sober. Nothing really clicked. It was sort of an occasional thing to do that was different. But in sobriety, when I was working more physically on my body, I uh, kind of realized a little bit intuitively, actually, that maybe some stretching would be good uh, to add to the workout routine, you know, uh, letting go of some of the uh, anxiousness. A lot of people actually in recovery turn their uh, compulsive, compulsive and addictive tendencies toward exercise. And so I found myself working out all the time to catch that endorphin high. And I thought, you know, let me let me 
see if I can do some stretching, some, um, some more gentle aspect to my physical work to balance that out. And the interesting thing, Temple, that happened was I was in a, in a yoga class. It took a few. You know, there was a couple of months there where I was easing into to yoga. But I, I started to hear some language that was very similar to me. For example, I'd be in a, a, a yoga posture. And my teacher, I, I uh, studied and trained at St. Pete Yoga here in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida, a wonderful studio and program. And the teachers there are very gifted. And I, I began to hear language about uh, easing into position, being gentle, not uh, sort of nudging up to a place of edge or self-challenge without bullying, as opposed to bluntly forcing to the maximum degree. And this idea of being gentle with myself, kind of taking it a little bit easy uh, and not pushing for a goal, but rather uh, instead finding uh, this balance between, between uh, self-challenge without the self-flogging or self-harshness. I started to realize, you know, that's the same thing we talk about in Alcoholics Anonymous. We talk about being gentle with ourselves, accepting our past, moving towards serenity one day at a time, trying not to do everything perfectly right away. Perfectionism is one of my large uh, challenges in life. And so becoming more intentional with the practice of physical yoga started to suddenly align with the intentionality I was finding in the rooms of 12-step recovery in the sense that uh, this gentleness with self was a key idea to long-term healing. And then I'd be in the meeting and hear something about, you know, hey, I'm going to try to stay in this moment. I'm going to enjoy this breath one day at a time, we say. Sometimes it's one breath at a time in recovery. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the next night in yoga, I might hear something about really finding full presence in the posture, not letting the mind wander, or at least observing when it does, because that's its tendency like a wild child. But to use the breath fully in this moment to dwell in the posture, to inhabit it, to fully experience it with all senses, including my slowly uncovering and and, um, growing ability to sense my emotional state, and sometimes the tears that went with it, but, but staying in that moment, what's happening right now with my body, my mind, my emotions, even my spirit, staying present and connected. I would hear that language taught in the yoga class, and I would say, you know, that's the same thing I heard last night in the AA meeting, staying present in the moment, and suddenly it hit me. We say in AA that, that it's a program of action, and I realized that the tools of yoga, not just the physical practice, but the meditative aspects, the breath, the attunement on all levels, I said to myself, wow, this is kind of like the original program of action. And suddenly the bridge was built and yoga became uh, an inextricable part of my ongoing addiction recovery. That, that's beautiful. And, and we have so many people tuning us in with us on Facebook Live and we're so glad you're here and we really appreciate uh, you following us. Feel free to ask us questions. Um, I know that Ginny uh, tuned in at the beginning of the show and asked if, if we really do believe spirit exists and I would say that it doesn't really matter what we call it, but yes, I definitely believe something exists that is greater than we are uh, because um, my heart was beating this morning without me deciding for it to do so. I was breathing air this morning. Um, When I look around at the vibration all around me, there's definitely something that's holding all this together. Uh, I don't think it really matters what we call it, but I think that we believe in something greater than ourselves um, is huge, and that's just my 
one opinion and I've dedicated my whole life to it. But Jamie, when you're talking about the aspect of, you know, addiction, I, I think it, I like to, you know, really be all inclusive because we have people that are addicted to pharmaceutical medication. We have people that are addicted to, to drugs. We have people that are addicted to uh, certain eating habits and, uh, you know, a wide range of, of things, uh, you know, codependency or um, can't ever be by myself or, you know, whatever. The, the list goes on and on. And in that, you know, in that connection and in that sacred space, um, with what you're talking about, I mean, obviously yoga could uh, make a tremendous aspect, uh, effect with any of those things. And one of the things that I realized uh, years early on in letting go of the addiction of alcohol is that uh, there was something uh, very fundamental to that I had developed a life response of being used to something being wrong. Was that true with you too? I mean, I was just so used to something being wrong because, you know, in all those years of a lot of times memory loss and everything else that had happened, I just inspect, you know, I would expect like, you know, something had happened, you know. And so in order to shift that, uh, my emotional body had to really grow up a lot. And when you're using words like let go, I'm surrendering, um, I'm letting go of control and perfectionism and all that. You're definitely addressing that second chakra that, that, it, that lives in that strength of control and holding on to those patterns. I've seen hundreds and thousands of people, you know, standing before them in a room and have people, you know, just say, I now let go. And I allow, and you can feel the breath. It, it amazes me because we we recognize that. It's very natural for us. We're designed naturally to let go and go with the flow. It's just we've developed these patterns um, that keep us from doing so. Good for you. You know, I, I think that you're spot on there, Temple, and I'm so grateful for you sharing your own experience as well. You're absolutely uh, spot on that there are so many ways that imbalance shows up in life. And I think to that list of addictive behaviors, uh, we could add uh, shopping on Amazon, you know, Facebooking, <laughs> uh, gossip even. You know, any, any pattern of, of behavior that is uh, causing us, you know, long-term harm, uh, despite maybe short-term pleasure, is something that is potentially taking our system out of this balance and growing a balance, finding uh, finding connection, finding this uh, this place of centeredness and wholeness without the need for uh, these external uh, supplements to our sense of well-being is a really big challenge, and they slowly peel away. I mean, I'll be the first to say that you know I had many addictions going into recovery, and alcohol was just the first one to go. Uh, certainly, food. In fact, it's not uncommon for uh, AA meetings to be you know. Uh, populated by people who are uh, chain smoking and, 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 and eating donuts by the fistful because they need something and they're not ready to let go of all of that stuff yet. And so it's a process of peeling away layers over time. It was for me, I think that it is for a lot of people. But this idea of addiction is very inclusive. And I, I appreciate that you mentioned codependence as well because the idea that my attention and my uh, energy and effort is consumed 
uh, either trying to people please others or being focused on controlling and manipulating others either overtly or passive aggressively. This complex interplay of human dynamic can itself be a pattern of addiction and that's a particularly tough one to crack. But it comes to uh, uh, yoga offered me tools for trying to be aware in the present moment when my mind is chattering, when my uh, senses are engaged with the outside world and I'm losing control or at least um, not finding a place of, um, of, of focused awareness, how can I at least notice that I'm not in a state of connection? And I think it's a misnomer to, uh, to believe that yoga kind of magically fixes all this stuff. It certainly doesn't. My mind in the meditation I did before our call today was racing a million miles an hour full of anxiety and anticipation and you know, is, am I going to have time to do laundry later and what's on the shopping list for this afternoon? The mind, like a wild child, wanders. And yoga taught me that it's possible to at least observe this pattern of stray thoughts, of, of um, scattered attention, and pull it back in, especially breathing, which I'm remembering to do now. It's something I forget quite often. Even though I teach it as a yoga teacher, I teach breathing, and I forget to do it myself all the time. got to take my own medicine and remember to observe that this uh, state of disconnect and scattered can show up in the compulsion to pull into a bar on the way home because nobody will know, or the compulsion to be overly obsessed with what's going on in the life of a significant other. And sticking to the things that I can control and change, which is me, is a very difficult self-discipline. Yoga is an ongoing journey of me practicing how to do that, learning more about how to do that, but it began with noticing when I was not feeling this connection, when I did not have this grounding, when I did not have this sense of self-acceptance, and you're right, just being okay. In fact, uh, my, uh, my counselor and life and business coach and mentor, uh, you may know her, Diane Allen, the profound uh, influence in my life. And the other day she said, Jamie, one of these days I hope you realize that you're already enough. And that oh. just hit me like a ton of bricks. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. I, I love that. Well, you know, those are the the great moments when people say the right things at the right time, and it could be something we've heard, you know, so many different ways are read, but somehow there's a certain way with a certain tone somebody can say something, and you go, wow. A defining moment for me, um, Jamie, uh, Jamie, is I like to say sometimes, you know, it's like, I survived myself. Uh, <laughs> and it's kind of the, you know, the great story of all of us in our humanity that that we understand what being saved really means within ourselves. Because at some point we have defining moments that we start being born, right? Because we've kind of adapted to a society or we've adapted to a culture or, I mean, a lot of times even in parenting, from the get-go, you'll hear parents, I was on an airplane the other day with a mom that was constantly saying, uh, you know, telling the child, well, this is a rule, and it's a rule, and you got to go by the rule, and, the, you know, the kid was four years old, a beautiful spirit, and I kept telling her, he's not bothering me at all, I love children, and she would correct him, well, this is a rule, and that's a rule, and that's a rule, and he still wasn't acting like she wanted him to do, so guess what she did? She gave him candy. Wasn't that great? (laughs) But she is already programming him to people please her. You understand what I mean? And, And people do that and they just don't stop 
to see how they're training uh, other people and especially small people because they tell them, oh, uh, you know, that makes mommy proud or you did a good job. And they're already developing that people pleasing part instead of truly training a person or influencing them by saying that must make you feel good about yourself, right? But the defining moment for me, you're getting me all revved up, by the way. <laughs> I love this topic. Um, is that sometime years ago, in my um, going into my 30s, uh, one of my teachers said, codependency is when you're on your deathbed and you're at the end of your life and you go through the past life, you know, what, how you've lived in the video and you're looking at windows of your life and all you see is other people rather than yourself. And that was a strong defining moment for me because I realized that I was way out of balance when it came to um, putting everybody else first before me time and time and time again. So something had to shift, you know? That's right, and I am so grateful for the community of recovery, not just Alcoholics Anonymous, but the Codependence Anonymous and uh, another fellowship which I attend, uh, Adult Children of Alcoholics and Other Dysfunctional Families, where we discuss how a lot of the traits of addiction, even if we don't pick up a substance addiction, we can have traits of addiction passed down through our families and generations. It often relates to codependence, and I, I'm grateful that you shared that definition of end-of-life codependence. I'm going to have to take uh, borrow of that one and put it in my uh, in my re uh, repertoire of phrases. The best one that I had heard to date, and I fall on the more uh, you know passive aggressive manipulator side of codependency rather than people pleasing. There are a couple sides to the coin. It shows up in a lot of ways. But the best definition I I have seen is uh, for codependency is why can't you be what I need so that I can feel better about myself. Mm. And That's a good one. That really That's connected. But, That's you know, the, the community of recovery helps me see beyond that. The people in my community, and there are many listening now today, and, and I'm grateful for uh, those friends and colleagues that have tuned in today. I feel your supportive energy, and I'm very grateful for it. Uh, in reference to the question asked earlier, uh, we talk about a higher power in recovery. And, you know, I've, I've had a lot of challenges. Uh, you know, I grew up Catholic and have just not really resonated with a lot of traditional religious teaching, yet I've come to understand a higher power, and it shows up for me in the voices of other people. I like to say that my higher power speaks to the voices of other people in the rooms of recovery, because inevitably I will hear something that touches me in a way that I could never have come up with on my own. And in Feeling safe and allowing myself to be vulnerable, knowing that the anonymity and the, and the respect and the care and genuine human concern and love found in these, in these rooms of recovery, which are in, online as well, uh, in the rooms is a 24-7 uh, community of online meetings happening all the time in all fellowships, Narcotics Anonymous, AA, different uh, imbalances. So just because you might live in a community where there are not a lot of local support group meetings. There are plenty of opportunities to connect with a community of fellowship that allows, well, at least for me, it allows me to see beyond my own blind spots. It allows me to get called out on my own BS in a way that is uh, done lovingly and supportingly because everyone's concerned about uh, each other's growth in a healthy way, but yet one of the principles of the program is that the only thing that I can really change is myself. So in this community of support, 
I find my own internal awakening and my own connection, my own intentionality, uh, if you will. And I think that your, uh, your reference to the things that we hold on to, the, the roles that get shaped early in life, the roles we choose, the, the patterns that we fall into and hang on to, whether they are uh, of substance or of behavior, I've heard this phrase and I, it really connects with me. You can, you can always easily spot the things that I've let go of, just look for the claw marks. And, and my roles and my habits, uh, some are let go easily and some are much more and continuing to be ongoing life challenges. Absolutely. And, and what I, I want to highlight for you is that um, it, every year it just gets easier and better. And I'm in it 29 years now, and it was one of the greatest moments of my life. Um, when people ask me, you know, what, what I consider my greatest achievement, um, I would say it's about sobriety and, um, it's just not hard. It's natural and I love it, you know, and that's the part that, um, we're really not designed to, um, to be in full medication. You know, that's not, uh, we're here to have a vibrant, energetic, dynamic life and, um, there's almost there's always so much more confusion also about what that means and I'd love to have you back on the show because I'd like to talk about the confusion and illusion of what it means to be when you're a person that you know you have an allergy and you're just a lot better um, by not drinking alcohol. It, it certainly doesn't mean you're not comfortable with others that do and it doesn't mean that you believe everybody has a problem. You know, it's kind of like um, when people say they're they're gay and there's a lot of confusion and lack of education around that as well. So so I want to put that out to you to have a show and talk about the clarification of 12-step and recovery and elaborate on that more. Um, I think I would enjoy that very much, and I'm, I'm hoping that you will too because I'm just kind of putting you out there live on the air. <laughs> And the, the other thing, um, Jamie, is I'm curious as to why um, and when um, you want to teach this program here because I get um, recommended to have people featured on our show from all over the world, and I wasn't aware that you're right here in our backyard. Um, so I'm very curious about knowing more about that uh, privately off the air uh, because we have a huge uh, recovery community here understandably so, since the leader is uh, so deeply ingrained in it. And I would love to see you have something here to offer it and share it uh, with our community. So I just want to plant that seed with you. We're talking today to Jamie Kowalski. He is uh, an individual to get dedicated to, to a growing balance of life. You can go to his website, growingbalance.com. And just simply put in your email and get a guide, a guide for a balanced life, and get more information exactly about what he's sharing today. And again, if you don't need it, good for you. Many people do not. But go ahead and order it and give it away to some of your friends. It's also a great birthday present to people that you know that are out there and they're probably needing a wake-up call or they just need someone to love them. Remember, we are always appreciative. Maybe not initially, but later on when someone really loves and thinks enough of us to help point the way or a greater direction in our lives. We'll be right back. Go check out his website, and we'll see you in a bit. Thank you for being with us. 
Wouldn't you like to share the programs that inspire you most with audiences around the world? That's easier than ever with mobile giving. Just text Unity Radio to 72727 and help us continue offering spiritual programs that change lives. that the Buddha gave us the formula to create a beautiful, abundant life. Did you know that Jesus gave us the formula to create a beautiful, abundant life? Did you know that both these masters taught exactly the same thing? And guess what? They did not teach the law of attraction. They taught the great paradox of prosperity. You can have anything you want. Why, you can have things you don't even know you want, but not by wanting them. Instead, put your attention on the vibrant presence of the divine within. Do that and your life will change. It has to. That is the natural order. Want to crack the code on the great paradox? Get Janet Connors' The Lotus and the Lily. Available everywhere great books are sold. God is formless, yet takes many forms. What goes around comes around. Chant the name of the Lord and be free. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ever been confused by the variety and apparent contradiction within world religions? Join Reverend Paul John Roach every Tuesday for insight into those principles held in common by all the great religious traditions in world spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions. Using discussions, interviews, humor, insight, and practice, Practical advice, we will clarify the confusion and reveal simple yet profound truths. Call in with your questions and ideas and help break down the barriers that separate us from one another. That's World Spirituality with Paul John Roach, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for listening to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, with Reverend Temple Hayes. If you have a question or comment about today's discussion, you can email us at theintentionalspirit at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here is your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. Welcome back, everyone. If you're just coming in, we're talking to Jamie Kowalski. He is a guy that's committed to recovery and how to achieve it in a more uh, relaxed and stress-free way. Along the way, he discovered the ancient healing technique that we call yoga and how it, it plays in um, in a way of synchronicity and connection with the 12-step program. So, Jamie, um, it's just a pleasure. And I want to thank you for what you're giving away free, the guide that you're giving. I applaud you for that. Um, you can go to his website, everyone, at growingbalance.com. Jamie, I'm really enjoying this conversation. It's just um, every time I talk about recovery, I, I, I get very humble um, because I'm just glad I'm alive. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, it's a beautiful thing. It, it is. And I'm 
so grateful for this opportunity to talk to you today. Even having this conversation is part of growing my own balance. Like, like growing a tree, we have to grow our balance. It doesn't just come. We have to work on it. Sometimes it's two steps forward and three steps back some days. But finding this balance of mindfulness, of physical attention to our bodies through quality nutrition and uh, exercise and movement and breath. Uh, lately, I've been studying and teaching some more Qigong, which is another uh, very ancient healing art involving movement and breath and connection and mindfulness. All of these tools together combine to lead me continually down the next step, the next breath, the next day of recovery. It's been an amazing journey, and I'm kind of getting over some anxiety in talking with you here because uh, it's a big deal to put myself out there as a recovering alcoholic. I've been pretty nervous. I've been sort of becoming more comfortable with it and understanding that I have a calling, that I have uh, a lot of life experience. And now, uh, even before I studied and became uh, an advanced yoga teacher, uh, I was uh, a self-studied nutrition expert, and I've trained in uh, clinical herbal medicine uh, here in St. Petersburg, Florida. Uh, it's one of the best programs in the country, actually, in, uh, in, in applied clinical herbal medicine with a focus on the traditional Chinese system of diagnostics and formulation. So all of these tools together have led me to discover my own balance. And I would talk with people after meetings in recovery and AA meetings and, and other fellowships and, you know, discuss things about, uh, you know, what are you eating there, Jamie? It's, it looks kind of strange. What is that? Oh, it's, well, it's pumpkin seeds. And here's the <laughs> omega-3 fatty acids and how they're helpful it's for the brain. And here's cacao nibs and goji berries, you know. And it's my crazy little snack, but it really doesn't cost a lot of money and it's super nutritious. And here's why I eat this way. And, you know, people were like, wow, well, first of all, you're kind of a nerd, but I knew that. And, and secondly, they said, well, how can I learn more about this? Uh, you know, where can I go online to find more information about this stuff? Uh, and, you know, I've spent a lot of time researching, and I looked all around high and low, and there's, you may know this, Temple, there's a lot of uh, thinly veiled Internet marketing out there that's disguised as scientific research. And mm -hmm. it's misleading and often expensive and even, uh, you know, not reputable or even damaging to some people. And so what I realized is I have this calling to bring all of my awareness and training and skills and gifts and just get over myself and be willing to go out in public and say, hey, I'm a recovering alcoholic. I've learned some tips and tricks along the way that are helping me grow my own balance one day at a time, and I'd like to share them. I'm, I'm compelled to share them. It's how it works. If I don't give it away, my sobriety and the things that got me here, I can't keep it, and I know you know how that works. Oh, absolutely. And I love the statement. It, it's another good one. And so I don't own it. it. It could be anonymous. I'm not even sure. But it's someone asked me what I came here to do. And I said, I came here to live out loud. And that is part of that process. And I know exactly how you feel. And not only are people listening that that resist going public about a lot of things. I mean, there are people that are still um, concerned about coming out of the closet and talking about their sexuality. Um, what I will say is when I first got the clarity from my own intuition that I needed to come out about uh, my alcoholism, I was uh, 30 years old. Um, and that being said, I don't think anybody was talking about alcoholism except Betty Ford. 
And that was about it, uh, at least to my awareness. And, and, you know, give me a little credit remembering we didn't have the Internet then. You couldn't Google, you know, everything and get an answer. So, But it was a very, you know, odd time. And I used to travel all around the country and in the U.K. And a few times, not every time, but a few times if I felt guided to do so, in large audiences, I would say, you know, oh, by the way, I had this challenge and I was an alcoholic, and um, one of the best things in my life is when I just said no, um, because it just wasn't working. And a couple of times I got uh, really bad reviews. You know, and what I realized, of course, is that I had, you know, pushed some people's buttons. Uh, That's for sure. It was their problem. Um, It really wasn't mine. And and so that being said, I, I just have learned that, when I don't share my story at the right time and in the right way, I'm I'm cheating others, you know, of, of that of that ability um, because that's part of the process. Every time we share our story, it gets divided, you know, with with that many people. And again, as you and I have said clearly on this show, that it's not just about you know people that are alcoholic. It's any type of distraction. Um, that is in our way of our greatness, of the possibility, some kind of uh, distraction or preoccupation that we can't, you know, really be present, you know. Um, and some of us have had um, have tried a lot more <laughs> than others. You know, I can't believe I ever smoked in my life, but I did. And what a preoccupation it was. It was just ongoing. You know, I actually had a list of, my friends that smoked and the ones that didn't, you know, I mean, it just goes on and on. And yet, um, I laugh about it now. I, I find it to be so hysterical, like, wow, you know, I was really there. That was my life. Um, but I wouldn't take any of it away. I'm, I'm very grateful for the experiences and I, I'm elaborating because I, I just want to thank you for your bravery and your, your courage because it, you won't continue to have that feeling long. Um, that will go away. It will dissipate. And you'll you'll see that you came here to live out loud. And it's crucial that we all do that because um, that's why we live, is to make an imprint, our own physical imprint on this planet of who we are and what we are and what we've learned uh, to the best as an intentional spirit. So thank you. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm humbled by your... Uh your your guidance and your and your support uh temple very much because uh I have heard that it gets easier this uh this you know journey uh, not only of recovery but of talking about it and and I've received nothing but love and support and kindness I've stood in my way for so long just like I did when I was drinking and the challenge is and this may be something that resonates with some of your listeners if they're also suffering some form of addictive behavior is that you know, I'm not an unintelligent guy. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sharp, and and I have a lot of willpower. I got a lot done in life. I've been through education and careers that are very challenging, and yet I couldn't conquer this uh, this obsession to drink. It was a compulsion, and after a while, uh, the difference between a problem drinker and a, and a full blown alcoholic, as you know, is at some point the physiology changes, and even despite my desire and my strong will to no longer drink, my body was not going to allow that. It had to have the substance. It had become not just an addictive behavior and a compulsion, but an actual physical uh, requirement. 
and my willpower wasn't going to get me out of it. And I was told early in my in my recovery by my counselor, she said, you you know, you think you're pretty smart, buddy, don't you? And I said, I said, yeah, I'm smart. I you know, I have a lot of willpower. And she said, well, right now, let me tell you something. You couldn't think your way out of a gosh darn paper bag, a wet one, a wet paper bag. She said. Uh, but she said, you got two things going for you. Even though you're in a deep, dark cave and it's cold and it's wet and you are very lost and very scared and your future is not looking so hot, you got two things going for you. I know the way out and I have a flashlight. And that wow. switched for me inside and gave me hope that, you know, there is a way out. There is a way out of the darkness. A transformation is possible. As, as you probably know, when people tell their stories in the rooms of recovery at, at, at certain meetings called speaker meetings, they tell about what happened, what it was like, and what it's like now. Many people stick in the what happened part. They like to tell their war stories. You know, I remember waking up the one day. In fact, my friend said, you know, asking more about my early sobriety, she said, what, you know, you kind of just woke up one day and it was bright and sunny and you decided to get sober? And I said, well, I, I did wake up and it was bright and sunny and I was pissed off because it was too bright and sunny. It was uh, it was like 11 a.m. and I was hungover and I didn't have blackout curtains. I wanted it to be dark. I curled up in bed. I only wanted two things at that point, to never drink again and to have another drink of alcohol to make the shakes and the pain and the discomfort go away. And in that, in that impossible contradiction of wanting to stop and not being able to stop, I had pushed away family, friends. I lost an 11-year relationship. In fact, I'm sitting in the spot right now where I first phoned my sister, one of my sisters, and said, hey, you know what? Uh, my partner left, and I'm, you know, seeking recovery. And she said, oh, honey, I didn't even know. I'm so sorry. And I said, you know, I, I didn't let you know. I didn't let you in. I, I couldn't tell you. I didn't want to be who I was because I was so full of shame and guilt, wanting to be a better and different person. And those that darkness shows up in different ways for different people, but transformation and movement out of that is possible. No matter how dark and despairing we might find our days and our nights, and no matter how disconnected and isolated we may feel, there is hope. There is the possibility of, of transformation and finding the way out of that dark cave. Other people have done it, and they're happy to lead us. And I'm grateful to be finding myself more and more one of those people who is able to go back into the cave and, and help some others along the way out because it's, it's a pretty scary place to be. Absolutely. And, and for some of you that are listening that you're in the early phases of it, we've had a friend write in and, and say addicted to addiction, but trying every day to stay changed. Good for you. Um, and at first and for a while, it feels like it's such an effort I liken it to Jamie, like in the early days of trying to uh, drive an automobile, um, especially back in those days with the stick shift. It wasn't really easy to do so. There was so much to think about. You know, in your mind, you're thinking, okay, my foot's on the gas. Now I've got to push the brake and i got to let up and then i got to change my gear. And, you know, it was so, uh, it wasn't natural. It didn't feel natural at all. It had to be learned. Um, through trial and error, through making a mistake, through slamming on brakes, through getting too close to the car, you know, in the early days of my learning to drive. I just remember very few people didn't even want to ride with me. It's like, oh, my gosh, you know, this is a risk. I can't take it. But it was busy. It was a lot of busy. It was a lot of effort around how to do it and the ways to do it and the ways to do it well. But after a while, 
over time, it became more and more natural. It became, this is the way it can be. Oh, this isn't so difficult. And it's a, it's a remembering and it's an unlearning of other things, you know, when it comes to being clear and, um, and not being preoccupied, you know, with when am I going to get the next fix and when is I'm going to have the next thing so I can't feel my feelings and, you know, those kind of things. It's a process. It definitely is um, like wearing new clothes. It's a, it's a definitely a new outfit. I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. So for those of you that are just early in your stages or you know someone that is, uh, just give them encouragement because it gets easier and easier every every year that you live. There's no doubt about it. It certainly does. And I really appreciate your analogy about driving the car because that's a very rational operation. You know, my hand goes here on the steering wheel and my foot goes on the brake. And I would think like that in, in you know, my early recovery. Uh, okay, well, i got to get to a meeting. I've got to, you know, read my literature. Uh, I need to exercise today. I need to try and meditate, which, you know, has been an ongoing journey of growth and a lot of resistance to it. But slowly over time, that's gotten easier. But I think what my, my uh, counselor guide meant about not simply only having willpower and the fact that that's very ineffective in my state of early recovery, I was guided to connect more with my emotions, with my heart, with the feelings and, and even energetic sensitivity uh, that I was drinking away. In fact, drinking made the pain and the discomfort of really feeling who I am. It, it made that pain go away. So as the alcohol went by the wayside, there's still been a lot of work to do in terms of, well, where does my perfectionism come from? Why do I have a deep-seated anxiety about the way that the dishes have to be done a certain way, even though there might be a pile of mail on the counter over here that's messy, the dishes have to be A, B, C in this order. Why that differentiation? What's going on with that? Where do I feel that in my body when the uncertainty manifests itself? And how am I responding? Or am I simply mindlessly reacting, often in a codependent or controlling or judgmental way with my partner, who, who gratefully I'm now back together with, uh, and, you know, still challenges day-to-day with any relationship, but at least now I can wake up in the morning and remember the arguments, so that's helpful. But lots of growth, lots of lots of change, you know, nothing is smooth in human life, and we're all just taking it one day at a time as best we can. But in connecting more with my, my emotion, where I'm feeling things in my body, this is something that yoga gave me permission to do. One of my favorite postures in yoga is pigeon posture, which gets a, a really deep hip stretch. Uh, a hip opener, we call it. And scientists are learning more about this. Massage therapists know this. Uh, Nikki Myers, one of the pioneers of yoga and recovery, has a phrase, and she says the issues are in the tissues. And we're learning more in medical science about how memories, trauma, emotions become chemically locked at, at a cellular level, often deep in joints that are stagnant and don't get a lot of circulation of energy, chi, blood. And so as we hold long yoga postures and this restorative deep breathing uh, method, we suddenly, I suddenly have found myself breaking down in tears out of nowhere, just sobbing like a baby, remembering things, stuff comes up, and I do my best to, as we say, let it flow and let it go, watch it like watching the weather from the sky. If we had a position above the earth like a weather satellite, watching the clouds and storms below rather than trapped up in them, yoga has given me the opportunity to sit with that emotion 
to be in it to even to even encourage its release and observe it happening, breathe through it, and suddenly find myself more an observer rather than a reactor or a mindless participant in what's happening in my life. And as that a momentary awareness breath to breath becomes more um, more capable and more consistent, so does my sobriety become stronger and more resilient to the challenges of life day to day. That's really awesome. I want to remind everybody that I'm talking with Jamie Kowalski, and you can go to his website, growingbalance.com. You can also go to Facebook, and it's facebook.com forward slash growing balance. Isn't that what you said, Jamie? That's right. Like growing a tree, we're growing our balance in life. Facebook has uh, a lot of uh, general information that I put up for people in recovery. At my growingbalance.com website, people can opt in to uh, join my email list. And even if you don't really want to be on an email list, if you join, and then you can uh, reply to my email that comes to you, and we can engage in a conversation. So I don't want to uh, force anybody to become a participant in, uh, in receiving information they don't want, but growingbalance.com is the best way to reach out to me, to just sign up to my email list, and I'd be more than happy to, uh, to engage in conversation with anybody that's seeking uh, more guidance along their path. Well, I just, I really, again, I applaud your bravery and your your courage and taking this subject on and and realizing that it's so much more than just the physical part of it, but it's the emotional, it's the mental, it's the spiritual, it's the the four body, you know, phase of all of this and understanding it. And, of course, as we're talking about it, it, it sounds like it's just, you know, for both of us, it's a focus every day, but... It's not. It's um, it, the more and more we become naturally who we are destined to be, the easier it gets, and that's the whole idea of it. We're putting it into boxes and explaining it and and defining it. And you know, people say to me, you know, isn't it a struggle? You know, that you go to parties and you're invited to these events, and you know, and you don't get to drink. And I go, a struggle? No, a struggle was. Um, you know, being somebody I was and a struggle was not knowing what was going to happen to me because I would black out and, you know, the next thing I know I would wake up in jail as I, I went there twice and neither time I'm not particularly fond of it. It didn't really fit me, if you if you get what I mean. <laughs> but anyway, um, I just really appreciate your, your willingness to come on air and, and share and, and benefit with so many people because... Um, there are so many folks that can use some relief or just some uh, validation because uh, themselves or a family member has some form of addiction and I just want to hear some sense of expectation or that it will get better. And the best thing is just to continue to role model good, healthy living for those around you. And eventually I think that it does affect them. And it, it does have a positive way of changing them. So, Jamie, is there something you would like to say as uh, part of your closing thoughts to our, our great audience that we have? They tune in with us from all over the world, and I am so appreciative. Well, thanks for the opportunity, Temple. I'd like to say that you're absolutely right. It does get better. And when I talk about people telling their stories in, in 12-step programs, what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now, 
the what happened part is so key, the transformation, the things that come into our life synchronously, uh, the possibilities that unfold. In my particular case, it was going to a yoga class because I thought, you know, I'm doing a lot of bike riding and weightlifting and I need to stretch my body. I had no idea that I was going to discover a doorway to thousands of year old healing discipline that would not only stretch my body but my mind, my emotions, my spirit and give me the keys to ongoing addiction recovery and understanding how that, uh, not just the physical practice of yoga but these other aspects invite us to find a balance of healthy living, like you say, one day at a time in our food choices, our exercise choices, our recreation and, and time, uh, time management choices, all of the things we have to do to grow balance one day at a time in our lives. Some people it comes easy, some people it's harder, some of us have a lot of, you know, scars on our forehead from beating it against the wall, and it's just life. We take it as best we can, we do the best we can, we, those of us that have made our little bit way up, further up the path can turn around and offer a hand of guidance and support and encouragement to those that are still following behind a few footsteps, but no matter how long the path, no matter how hard and uphill the struggle, it's possible to do. It's possible to do together. Even for people who are sensitive introverts, uh, there's connection, there's community possible in order to not make the journey alone, to not feel isolated, to experience the possibility of transformation uh, in our own lives, trusting that synchronicity and opportunity and guidance will find us. And I was told early on in recovery, whisper, roar, two by four. Listen for guidance from higher power, the universe, the infinite wisdom of, of the cosmos. Listen for its whisper, and if you don't act, then you're going to get a roar. And if you still choose not to act and are ignoring the consequences, you're going to get the two by four, and maybe after that, the train wreck. So I'm, I'm so grateful I survived the train wreck. My bruises from the two by four are healing. I'm beginning to hear the whisper and follow up more closely in my life. And I'm so grateful for, uh, for our uh, partnership in this conversation today. It's been an amazing experience for me. I'm, I'm very thankful. And me as well, uh, Jamie. I look forward to meeting you, and I do want to talk to you further off record, and let's look at how we could get you involved at the campus and so people can benefit from your knowledge. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the Attentional Spirit. I want to thank Jeff Comfort, our station manager, who always helps makes everything run smoothly and effortlessly. And I think appreciation is, uh, is tremendously important in our lives and gratitude. Um, and thanking all of you, it's because of you that we have such a popular show. Uh, you're the one that tells your friends and supports it. If you like these conversations, um, join us on templehays.com or firstunity.org, I want to remind you that next week we have the tremendous Rick Fenbo. He's a medium. He's a psychic. He's an animal communicator. He is an incredible, amazing human being, and I'm very much looking forward to having him on the show. Thank you, everyone, for being with us. Until then, remember, peace begins right here, right now. It begins with us, with every action that we take. God bless you, everyone, on this amazing journey that we call life. Thank you, Jamie. I look forward to seeing you again. Thanks, Temple. I look forward to connecting. Enjoy today. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. 
Join us every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central for tools and simple applications which will support you from being alive to fully living. This program is brought to you in part by First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. To learn more about this ministry, go to www.unitycampus.org or www.templehaze.org. Experience the peace and joy promised by A Course in Miracles? Or are you still struggling to truly live your beliefs from moment to moment? Let Reverend Jennifer Hadley help you focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application, by walking your talk. Experience the healing live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central on A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. There is a story about a man who died and found himself at the gates of heaven. The gatekeeper offered to give him a tour. First he took him to hell. The man saw tables laden with a sumptuous banquet. This can't be hell, he said. Look at all this wonderful food. But as he looked closer, he noticed that all the people were weak and emaciated. They'd been given three-foot-long forks, and they couldn't get the food to their mouths. Then the gatekeeper took the man to heaven. Tables there were also piled high with a variety of wonderful foods. The people had also been given three-foot-long forks, but looked happy and well-fed, because they were feeding each other. The point of this story is obvious. Life is more enjoyable when we help one another. Changing your thoughts and actions can result in positive changes in you and the world around you. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. There is peace. There is quiet. Reverend Paulette's mantra is, It's all a prayer. Tune in every Tuesday as Unity Minister Paulette Pipe leads you in meditation and prayer on touching the stillness. Make no mistake, this is not nap time. With an energy that will captivate you, touching the stillness will guide you in deep meditation, leaving you enlivened. Hear astounding meditations and learn more about different forms of meditation. Enrich your prayer life as Reverend Paulette, Senior Minister of Touching the Stillness Ministries, affirmatively prays with power and authority by taking live prayer requests from callers like you. Whether you have a prayer request for yourself or for a loved one or are ready for a deepened meditation experience, make sure you tune in on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Central Time, where we'll be joining in consciousness with the unceasing prayer activity of the Silent Unity 24-7 Prayer Ministry at Unity Village. That's Touching the Stillness with Reverend Paulette Pipe every Tuesday right here on Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Letting go in the stillness.
like life, grief is a journey, not a destination. Whether it is loss of life, relationship, security, or simply the process of change, have you given yourself permission to begin your journey of grief? Have you yielded to the gift of grace? Join Reverend Chaz Wesley every Thursday at 5 p.m. Central on a virtual navigation from grief to grace and explore new horizons of empowerment, significance, and support only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We spend a third of our lives sleeping and dreaming, yet most of us have no idea what goes on during that time. I'm Kelly Sullivan Walden, and as a dream expert and best-selling author, I'm here to empower you to mine the gold from your nighttime dreams. Join me on the Kelly Sullivan Walden Show, part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network, available wherever you get your podcasts. Until we meet again, don't take your dreams lying down. <laughs>